Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Harley Quinn Mad Love Podcast. Uh, before we delve any further into the madness, just a disclaimer. Uh, if you are too young to be watching the Harley Quinn show, you're too young to be listening to this podcast. And parents, if you're with your kids, you may want to listen to this later when they aren't around. Two, one. Now, with that out of the way, we can we can go ahead and get started uh, with me today. I'm your host, Brett Lickie, and with me today is uh, the amazing Kelly Gaines. Hello, hello. And the wonderful Kendra Hale. Say hello, Kendra. Hello, Kendra. And the stunning Seth Singleton. Say hello, Seth. Why, hello, Seth. (laughs) All right, so we are talking about the second episode of the second season of Harley Quinn, uh, also known as Riddler U. Uh, The episode starts out in the Gotham that has gone completely to shit. The power is out, and our gang is forced to rely on dead zebras for food and candles and clothing and they are all sitting around the headquarters bemoaning everything and they notice an ad for riddler university and they decide to come up with a plan to infiltrate the college and uh, steal the riddler's power and water and we get to uh, we're all looking forward to talking about this, where we all, we meet a new Clayface persona in Stephanie, and Ivy talks about an indigo poster that is in need of a wall. Uh, so, Kelly, what did you think of the scene? Oh, God. I, I love, I mean, one, I really, because I, I assume, and I, I think they said that the zebras are from the Gotham Zoo, but I would love to know how many zebras they have because it seems as if they're using this as a sustainable source of candles and I mean doesn't seem the most environmentally friendly but go for it um but yeah I I love this idea that they are going back to college like that is that's their plan here we're gonna go infiltrate Gotham University because I I mean I, don't, I, I think I would have some hesitation. I'd be like, can I pull off being a college student? Which, I, I mean, I'm not too, too far out, but I still feel like I'm far enough where it's like, well, my little brother's a senior and I'm definitely not his age. So I would be the person in chunky clogs and overalls and just not looking the part. And they, they go into it so gung-ho and so certain that, the, that it's going to work. It's just beautiful. And Clayface is told hands down you are not going on this mission this is an ivy harley mission you are to stay home and he shows up the most popular girl in school and i love stephanie this is my favorite Clayface persona in fact if you were to start just throwing stephanie into the comics i would still be okay with that i she deserves it she fully does seth yeah i 
there's so many things to love about this opening scene. Not only do we realize how bad things have gotten, I mean, you're rendering fat from zebras in order to make candles. And apparently there's a there's a zebra hat. Like, I, I remember, you know, the old, like, David Bowie and or not David Bowie. Oh, God, that was that was just a whole Freudian thing there. I don't even want to understand what just happened. Um, Jim Bowie. Or, uh, you know, Davy Crockett with the coonskin cap, you know, the raccoon, you know, cap. I, I, I remember that. Like, but zebra hat is something I've never seen. And after seeing it on Psycho, it's something I'm okay with never seeing again. Um, <laughs> it was just like there's a degree to, you know, like it's like if he starts wearing the faces, you're like too far, too, too, too far. But I love that how by not explaining what it is exactly, Killer Shark's able to go, well, I guess it still remains a mystery. That's just great. Uh, only to uncover later that, well, actually, yeah, it really is just the fat. And um, <laughs> we have to at some point address the fact that Harley makes two did you get your HPV vaccine jokes, <laughs> um, which are basically the same joke. <laughs> and you're like, but, but <laughs> I, I love that Ivy's like, you know, you were too old to get that. Followed by, you know, you already told that joke. Yeah, but nobody was paying attention. And they totally didn't get what I was talking about because we're going back to college. I kind of felt like I was like in the Rajini Dangerfield uh, back to school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I love how much Clayface wants to be a part of this so deeply so as to reference Johnny Depp. And his riveting undercover portrayals in 21 Jump Street, which, as I recall, were not so riveting. But, y you know, Clay, he's the dramatist. I, I I think the idea that they found the source of, you know, clean water and energy and the goal is now to steal it, not to figure out <laughs> what's going on. But then, yeah, the amazing persona, Kelly. I mean, uh, Stephanie, the transfer student from Chico State. Uh, who can't spill the deets because there's a lawsuit. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. the idea that while this is all going on, they're being called geriatric uh, co-eds by Psycho, and there's a mouse that comes out of the faucet. Like, and the fact yeah. that he first comes out alive, and they're like, well, at least he came out alive, and then he dies. Like, you're, you're, you're given a full picture of exactly just how shitty their lives is right now. <laughs> Who could I hear right? I totally felt like I was talking over someone. No, no, just no mice. Done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about <laughs> What's that? <laughs> mice are out for Kelly. I, I do not do mice anymore. <laughs> is that is that because of little old me? Is that <laughs> is, that, is that something I do? <laughs> <laughs> Tapped into the dark places, did I? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> When yeah. you can't sleep at night, you can go ahead and call me and be like, fuck you. All right? Thank you. Just fuck you, dude. You are an asshole. And I'll be okay with it. I'll even tell my wife, like, remember that bullshit thing I did? Yeah, I'm paying for it now. Kendra, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that one, that was actually the, the moment that I knew this episode was going to be one of my favorites. Because as soon as that rodent dies... <laughs> you just see the look on Psycho's face, and he's like, oh, my God, I drank two quarts of that shit. That was the best. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliant. But, yes, yeah, Stephanie, I mean, I feel bad because 
in the last one, in the last podcast, we were talking about who our favorite Clayface iteration is, and Stephanie wins hands down because it's so brilliant. It's it's like second nature to him. Where you know we see Clayface go through all of these these monologues and these these inner turmoils of trying to find himself, and with Stephanie. We see that, like this is his home base. Like he's he feels it. He's in it. This isn't necessarily just a a character with a backstory that he's trying to act. Like he gets in to the. This is Stephanie. This is his persona, and I loved it. I mean, yes, the whole Indigo Girls poster needing a place on the wall and and us buying Harley and and Ivy going back to college was was a great moment. But I mean. All of the the lovely homages to Clueless and Alicia Silverstone, it, it was beautiful. This was an absolutely great opening to the second second episode, especially since Riddler is basically being a dick to every other person outside of Riddler. You, he has all the electricity, all of the water, the clean water, not the chewy kind. We tell you to stay away from that one, but it was a great opener. I had a blast with this. Brad, what about you? What were your? Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a lot to unpack in the, the you know the first few minutes of this episode. I almost watching rewatching it. I I thought, wow, that's like feels like half an episode went by with everything that was going on in that first few minutes. Um, but you know, but that's kind of one of the brilliant things that the show can do is is pack a lot in uh, in a little amount of time. And this was this opening was like a perfect example of that. And, uh, you know, who doesn't love Stephanie? Yeah, she would definitely be the best uh, Clayface persona. And because for me, it's because he just gets so into it that he kind of forgets himself to the point where later in the episode, uh, Ivy has to remind him that you're just a damn clay monster. Now do your fucking job that, you know, like, just, it's, it's hard not to uh, not to love, uh, you know, not to love Stephanie. Um, even though at first they didn't want her there and maybe that as things turn out in the episode, maybe that would have been for the best. I don't know. But, uh, as the episode continues, uh, kite man helps the girls, uh, into the college and they sneak on to a tour. And, uh, when pressed for names, Harley comes up with the names of Heather Weatherby for herself. And for Ivy, it's, Isadora Staple Pumpkin. Now, I, I'm I'm curious, guys. What do you, what do you think of those names, Kelly? Not suspicious at all. <laughs> <laughs> those are normal names, if I've ever heard them. If I I don't personally know a single Heather or Isadora, but I also don't know any Weatherbees or Staple Bumpkins, so I'm sure that is normal. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's no real way to approach that name, except with a smile after you say it. And then as a writer, like, doesn't your heart just go, that is a great name. Can I hear the history of your name and just sort of know all the things that brought you to this point, you know, of Winterbottom? Um, (laughs) Like, there's got to be a, you know, a great story there. Um, I also just love the fact that if you're going to try to bring up the most um, inconspicuous names, this would be a D minus for the most part. Maybe you could pull it off with a solid D, but it's not even a solid D. Like 
you have some serious concerns. And I love that Babs really uh, shows her character right away by saying, really, I thought I would remember such um, interesting and specific names. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> but um, leading up to that, you got to love the appearance of Kite Man. Like, hell yeah, man. I love that he's back, that he's talking about his girl, his babe, his eyes. <laughs> And that green with envy joke was just completely perfect. I thought it was pretty good, babe. Um, like, it's just, uh, it reminds me of that commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the husband does something. And then the wife goes, good job, baby. And it was just sort of like that little, like, you know, if your partner, you you don't got to give too much, but that's really all that a partner needs is just like a good job. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm the man. Like, I feel like with Kiteman, all he had to do was lay out a moderately lame joke and get a little bit of love back from his girl. And he's golden. Like, he's going to buy a lotto ticket. Uh, so that was such a great. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I love that they arrive at the fountain number part of the tour. Like, this is fountain number number 29. And uh, and along the way, they're talking about the fact that, yeah, but he is totally right about Harvard sucking. Like, I love yeah. that there's a huge <laughs> These were all great moments for me that just led up to. Uh, you know, our, our next interaction, which is a, a treat, and I can't wait for us to talk about next. Kendra, how about you? I, I loved the the kite man, and, and I was right there with you when he, had, you know, that's the, the icky, the outside, the third <laughs> wheel, where she's like, oh my fucking God, gross. And she just jumps <laughs> off. She's done. Like, she doesn't even wait for them to land in a safe space. She just jumps. Harley's <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> Ivy's like, it was cute. I liked it. <laughs> Which is like the exactly what you say. Like sometimes my wife and I would say something cute and we go, oh, God, people we know are throwing up in their mouths right now. Yeah. Right. Do about that. Yeah. We, we're just way too fucking cute. <laughs> but it was brilliant. And I, I, I you were right. You picked up on another one that that really got me was uh, Babs being the smart one in the room being like, I, I feel like I would have like remembered these. These are very you know, noticeable, not normal names. I, I would remember these from the tour. But it reminds me, and I know Kelly will get on, in on this one with me, it reminds me of the episode in Avatar, The Last Airbender, where they're going to the Earth Kingdom, and they're trying to get past the guards. And I, I know I'm going to fuck the name up, but Aang is like, I'm Pipsipapsopolis. And guitar is just like, and I'm his his granddaughter. Blah blah blah. Pips the pop the lobbyists. It's great. It oh immediately God. took me back to that. I was like, <laughs> this is what that is. <laughs> but their infiltration was seamless. It was absolutely seamless. <laughs> Brad, what about you? Yeah, yeah, it was seamless. Is a good way. Uh good way to put it uh and I, I, sometimes i kind of like seeing that softer side to ivy uh with kite man uh it, it's it shows a little bit of vulnerability that adds just a little touch of complexity to the character and it was just kind of sweet and cute and quick and yeah that was that was a fun scene and those names are just great it kind of reminds me that you know, if you, one of the hardest things I think in writing fiction that people don't really talk about is just the concept of coming up with good sounding names for characters. And <laughs> these would just not be those names. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, uh, yeah, it was a, a good setup and, uh, you know, brilliant as the show always is. Uh, and 
as this little scene continues, we do discover that Clayface slash Stephanie has decided to go into the college anyway uh, and is one of the most popular girls on campus. So, guys, would we be friends with Stephanie? Uh, Kelly? Oh, yes. It's. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie is... I would say, I mean, I'm I'm not a particularly outgoing person. I'm not, you know, the friendliest person. But my second roommate in college who I roomed with for the rest of my college experience was my polar opposite. And she was a Stephanie to a T. I mean, just knew everybody, knew everything. And it's like the best person to be around because they're just, they're just wall-to-wall fun. And then they have their guy drama and you're like, fuck Chad. And and you just move on, and it's great. <laughs> yes, I would one thousand percent be friends with Stephanie. Seth, I would I would be someone that Stephanie would befriend. I would be found hanging out with my also socially inept uh, creative writing classmates, and the the introverts would be the ones that I would most likely hang out with. But Stephanie would probably be someone who would take a creative writing class because it's fun. And, you know, I get to use my imagination. And, and I think that that's how she would befriend me. And I would just become part of one of her many, like, uh, I kind of think of it like the solar system, like the, the different rings of the planets. I'd just be in one of her many orbits because she's got like 30 um, and I'd be someone that she would friend. I wouldn't be able to call her a friend because, you know, she's so busy. It's not like she actually has a lot of time to spend with someone like, you know, me and my friends. But she would know me and always be friendly and genuine. And every time I would just be like, yep, total opposite. Ah, nice person. Great kid. Okay. And that was a Stephanie moment. And then just sort of like she's off to the other 35 things going on because she's connected to everything and clearly amazing. Um, so I, I would probably observe her from afar and every once in a while I'd just be like, wow, I had a Stephanie sort of orbit. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice. Oh, well, back to the real world. <laughs> Kendra, how about you? This would be my drinking buddy. Can you imagine going out <laughs> drinking with Stephanie? The dish that would happen would be great. <laughs> Plus, she'd know everybody. The like, only thing that would be weird would be having to explain the vomit of clay. <laughs> that would be the only thing that I would I would see being kind of a small issue would have to be explaining why. <laughs> it's just a bunch of clay. <laughs> Either that or the really, really, really super awkward moment where the clay goes back into Stephanie. Or becomes its own singular life form and starts talking and becomes a new tattoo on Jim Gordon's back. That would lead to a whole bunch of awkward moments. But yes, drinking buddy, friend, you know, gal pal, slumber party. I'm here for all of it. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I think... uh... Uh, she, she would be a friend, but I think, uh, I think she'd be the one friend in the group that you'd be happy that couldn't make it when you all went out. Um, there was a comedian and I forget which comedian it was. It says that every social circle has one of those friends that they don't really like. And if you're in a circle that doesn't have that, then you're the one that they don't like. Um, 
So I think that she would be that <laughs> one that you're kind of happy who gets kind of who not comes out because it seems like she would always bring in the drama. But um, but, you know, that can be fun, too. So that's why you keep her around. And uh, from here, we kind of uh, take a sidestep to uh, kind of our second plot of the episode. Uh, Dr. Psycho and King Shark go in search of a water filter and they get attacked by two faces goons and they learn what a Chicago typewriter is. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this scene? These poor guys. I mean, I, God bless them for their effort. And I did not know what a Chicago typewriter was. I'm very glad. And I've also... Why aren't Tommy guns a thing anymore? Like, I, I feel like I would be less terrified of guns if they were called Tommy guns. Like, that the, the bizarre, loud, rapping blah, 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 noise. Like, I, I, not that I could get behind it, but I would probably be less, like, horrified of guns as a whole if they were still Tommy guns. But all that aside, it, these poor guys put so much effort into getting a water filter, which... They, I, I mean, I don't know where the Walmart in Gotham is. I don't know how looted it's been. But there are ways to pure, like, have they tried boiling it? <laughs> like, I used to camp and hike a lot. You just boil some water and let it cool off. But, hey, sure, whatever. Let's risk our lives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that this is one of the reasons why I considered Two Faces, you know, gang. If I was going to be a henchman goon, which we talked about last episode, and and it was the fact that you get to wear those great suits, you get to carry something that's as fun sounding as a Tommy gun, so it can't hurt people really. Like it's not even real bullets; it's a Tommy gun. It just says Tommy, 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 like really fast. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, sticks and stones, but words, right? Um, so I'd feel pretty good about that. I love Chicago typewriters. It, it reminds me of the first time I was watching, uh, I, someone had on an old Star Trek, and I was a kid, and I remember seeing it. It was like they, they go in the past, and it's like uh, gangland territory, or they're in some, like, you know, uh, role-playing thing. And I remember one of the gangsters says, hey, hand us over those heaters. And I'm like, what's a heater? And it was my first introduction to that, you know, tough guy, 30s, 40s, you know, hey, everything is just, you know, cool sounding. Like, you know, if you're going to talk about something, you got to describe it in some like visually artistic and uh, illustrious and <laughs> like visual, you know, description where afterwards you're like, wow, Chicago typewriter. <laughs> but the thing that kills me is we, we, we get a chance to see a buddy up moment with uh, Psycho and King Shark, which is a, a fun thing that I think we, we can look forward to in the future. And also watching the two of them discuss like, why do they call it? Well, because we're from far away. They sound like, oh, really? You know. Run for your lives, guys. Discuss the idea and the imagery and the usage later. Like, it's a beautiful moment, but <laughs> run for your fucking lives. <laughs> um, it, it was just a great sort of kickoff for this idea of like, yeah, we're going to go get this thing. And, you know, the psycho the whole time is just like, yeah, well, I'm a highly intelligent person. So this is a very easy thing for me at what? Oh, and then it goes to shit, which 
there's no order. So, you know, of course it's going to go to shit. Kendra, how about you? We need to take a moment for the camel. The poor camel who lost his life. (laughs) (laughs) Kimmy Cam. (laughs) No, but it's so great because you you bring up this buddy-buddy moment between the two of them. But before that, there's this line that King Shark says, and he's like, oh, my God, your treachery knows no bounds. And it's so hilarious that just minutes (laughs) later, they're having to, like, team up against this hail of bullet fire. Which, by the way, he took quite a few bullets in this scene, but was fully fine. I just, I know that they're made of cartilage, but my gosh, like, he took a lot. Poor King Shark. (laughs) But the the whole, you know, the 80s montage where, do you hear that welding? What is, what's that? And them pounding through with this immense death machine that looks right out of Wacky Raceland is great. The the moment of, you know, he, and you didn't want to have the spike. <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> Brad? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad that there's so much talk of the phrase Chicago typewriter because I had never heard that before, so I'm going to assume about the show and not another like a phrase that had existed before, which just if that's the case, these writers are brilliant because um, that's so it's so perfect. It's very uh, prohibition gangster Al Capone phrase um so yeah i just that 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 phrase really tickled me and seth i agree that uh it is kind of fun to see these two uh they they could be the most in the crew so seeing those two juxtaposed against each other is it, it makes for some some fun times and yeah kendra that that poor poor camel Oh, boy. So uh, we uh, shift back to the co- to the college. Uh, Harley notices what appears to be the Riddler, chases him down and attacks him and tries to drown him in a fountain, only to find that it is actually the university mascot, Jiminy Riddles. <laughs> uh, but now the problem is that her cover is blown when the tour guide we find out who that is and uh, Seth you already had mentioned that we will figure out who this tour guide really is uh, but she sees uh, Harley recognizes her so Harley has to take off and uh, chase her so Kelly what do you think of the scene one poor Jimmy Riddles my god that man gets his face smashed on a fountain which i assume is on some goon's death certificate somewhere but yeah that that is just awful and as far as you know the tour guide has uh, has seen them knows who they are i mean first of all looking at the scene when harley's face is you know post jumping in the fountain dripping and you see like her you know super like chalk white skin and then the regular human white skin that she painted on for a minute I was like huh she's got like white stuff dripping on her face because it it, you don't 
remember that she's supposed to be normal people colored, not like a, a snowman colored. But she is because of the acid, which we've established is the fun kind of acid. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> the whole scene is just like, wow, they did not think this through. Their cover is blown. They don't look like college kids. And now they don't even look like people. And they chase this tour guide. And I really like that line Ivy has with, you know, I, I as a rule, I'm, I'm not into going into a, a college girl's dorm room without her permission. Like, that that's really cool. I, I like Ivy for that. But wow, they just, they shit and or shat the bed on this one. yeah they definitely didn't employ their best efforts and i love the fact that they were kind of divided in purpose if you notice it's like yeah we should go kill the tour guide we should find the tour guide oh yeah okay difference of opinion and then there's that great moment where it's like yeah you know generally i'm not inclined to encourage or participate let alone endorse sneaking into a you know young woman's <laughs> dorm room without her permission and then uh, <laughs> what preceded that i love the fact that until she ran into or lost track of babs um there's that parkour scene which was just sort of like okay are we demonstrating her skill and apparently harley also has this down too but then there's the interruption of the acapella guys <laughs> <laughs> The cool just, acapella group. Right. And I was just like, okay, isn't this that Pitch Perfect movie? Like being just parodied and a, a bit, you know, um, well, mocked. Um, <laughs> but the fact that as she's running off, they're both trying to then suddenly, you know, get Pitch Perfect with their, their phrasing afterwards. Um, and then poor, poor Jiminy. Um, we, we learn that this is not our only appearance of him or our opportunity to kind of just see how bad things get if you decide to be the mascot for Riddler U. Um, the, this was a great build up to what I'm looking forward to is, is more that we get to talk about. Kendra, how about you? <laughs> this whole scene was great. <laughs> <laughs> the guy getting knocked into the fountain, getting his ass kicked, Babs literally showing off parkour, like you said. <laughs> There's so much that is done so well. The like you guys have pointed out, the pitch perfect fight between the acapella groups and which one is cooler, and you have to make sure that you join the cool one because heaven forbid you join the one that isn't cool. And the fact that they show off by singing shit in perfect yeah. harmony and key. I mean, the only... It's just every time that this episode goes forward, it's even better. And I think that that's something that all of us can agree on. I mean, it's it's what makes this show so brilliant. Is that you think that you've you've had the best moment of this show... But every time they come back, and even if it's just a few minutes later, it's it's even better. I think this was one of those episodes where I could not stop myself from giggling, and it was because of moments like this where you literally got two acapella teams singing shit to prove which one is the better one to join. <laughs> Brad, what about you? 
There is nothing uncooler than the uncool acapella group. So, oh God, <laughs> stay away. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this, the scene was great, and I, I, I did enjoy that her makeup was coming off. So you kind of got the the half bleach white Harley and the half makeup Harley. I thought that was a, a fun little uh, little detail. Um, but yeah, the scene was great, and the acapella group singing shit—that was that was perfect. And it's kind of funny hearing you guys talk about it because it didn't necessarily jump out at me when I was watching it. But now that you guys talk about it, how they gave this like little Easter eggs and, and tributes to other school and college movies, which was which was pretty brilliant uh, as well. well. You know, you brought up Clueless and. Um, uh, pitch perfect. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, the show is just just incredible. Um, <laughs> moving along, and this is where the episode gets uh, really fun, if you ask me. Uh, they do go into the dorm room, uh, even though Ivy wasn't too sure she wanted to, of the tour guide, and they find out who it is. It is the one and only Barbara Gordon, who is the daughter of our favorite police commissioner. And we get to see what has happened to poor Jim after everything that happened in the last episode with the uh, with the divorce and not finding Batman and being betrayed. Uh, so, so, Kelly, uh, what do you think of the scene? God. I, Jim, poor Jim. I feel so bad for however many episodes ago when I said that, like, if I had to pick off someone as a supervillain, it would be Jim Gordon. Because, I mean, yeah, it's low hanging fruit, but this is like low hanging fruit. I mean, my God. And I, I say this as as somebody who has had a shower beer and cry. I mean, it's like that 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 was a thing with my Stephanie esque roommate that she I, I once overheard her tell somebody oh there's there's two mini bottles of wine in the shower Kelly's had a bad week don't go in and talk to her and like God you are an adult I know for a fact college dorms do not sign people in above 25 because I can't go visit my brother for shit so dude you snuck into a college dorm run by the Riddler. That's fair. That's it's a lawless wasteland, actually. I mean, it, this is not the most shocking crime of the century. But oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. So what do you think? OK, I'm going to be totally honest because we were talking about Chicago typewriters. I've actually pulled up a site where they mentioned different mafia things. And um, apparently a biscuit is also another name for a handgun. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, I will never look at Pillsbury the same way again. Right? <laughs> like you're like, whoa. What the- <laughs> What's with the little Pillsbury guy? What's he hiding? Does he always have a suitcase? No. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun just to discover that one and be like, oh man, this is gonna be a fun list to read through later. Uh, this scene is so set up perfectly because. We've got the, the the conversation with the Wayne box, which is just a great little tech, you know, sort of intro. And it, it recalls it, my memory goes back to that moment where Joker's pissed that he didn't get his electric car from Wayne Industries. 
And, uh, and so the Wayne box is going and cranked up so that Barbara can tell her, you know, her side of the story. But then we get the interruption that feels so unprofessional from the guy who used to be the most professional wearing a pink towel that's a bit too small and takes me back to the movie Starsky and Hutch. And um, yeah, he's got the shower beer. Now, I don't drink anymore, but I can definitely say if you bring the bottle of vodka or beer or wine to the shower, you have an intention. It's not to take a short shower. It's not to take a happy shower. Um, it's generally a survival method. And it's also a sign. If you're listening to this and you've been wondering what this bottle means, well, view it now through the eyes of what's going on with Mr. Gordon. And you'll recognize that, you know, this is this is something eventually to move beyond, grow past, Um it's it's a phase and it's gonna happen and it's okay. Don't try smoking cigarettes in there; they simply won't stay lit. Um, but you know you're gonna sometimes take your tragedy to a comforting place. And if 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 for you it's the shower, uh, you're not alone, and 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 you're loved. Just just know that. Uh, I love that the whole way to throw them off the track though is uh, we're doing a viney thing because of course poison ivy had just revealed their powers. And then afterwards, he comes back out and he's like, so about this Vine thing, is that something you and I can do or is that going to be weird? <laughs> It'd be weird, huh? Okay, time for my new beer. Like, there was so much, again, Brad, as you pointed out, how they pack things into this, you know, into each scene. So much was developed so quickly from, uh, you know, the introduction of Babs's room to who she is, to the Wayne box, to Gordon's situation. Oh, and the fact that the reason is there is because he showed up right before Riddler took over and now he can't leave. There was so much. I mean, the exposition's perfectly done and it's so humorous that you just laugh to yourself like, God, what, why doesn't everybody, why don't I fucking tell stories like this? If I did, people would pay more attention and laugh and pay money or, you know, the equivalent of something I desire and, and find, you know, rewarding. Kendra, how about you? I love that we each can talk about this and find something in it that even if it's similar, we each find something different. And it's just a few minutes. Like, that's how crazy sometimes these episodes can get because there is so much in them. My <laughs> absolute favorite part of this was as they kept going on, the fact that Harley and Ivy started dancing with the music from the Wayne Box. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well said. <laughs> I died. I was like, what are they doing? And I was sitting there jamming along with the music. They're supposed to be in there threatening Barbara and they're just jamming along with the pop mix on loud. I'm like, great. But I mean, yeah, seeing Jim and I mean, how do you not know who Barb is as soon as you enter that room? It's plastered with Batman. And her trying to tell them that, you know, Riddler's doing something. It's not that we all want to do this. It's, you know, we'll die if we don't. But there's, like, this really sneaky bit of dark humor that's thrown into this. And that's saying something for this show because it builds itself on dark humor. But when, uh, when Barb's pointing out this this map that she has that she's been able to triangulate where the Riddler and his crew, you know, have, have been. And she's like, it's this frat house. I've, I've narrowed it down to this frat house. People go in there and they don't come back. And 
Ivy's in the background, just like, so how is that different than any other front house? <laughs> and I was like, damn, y'all went super dark. <laughs> like, damn, I was taken back. I was like, okay. Fastball <laughs> high enough the middle. Yep, we're right? playing. Like we've had zebra heads and death to camels, but now we're going with frat boy humor. My God. <laughs> Brad, what about you? I uh, one thing about this scene is that we see in this world the origin of uh, of Batgirl, and I don't know of an of a more 2020 perfect origin story than seeing than being sparked to be a superhero and to fight crime and save the city by seeing your dad at his rock bottom eating potato chips off of his chest hair. Because that was the moment that did it for him. I was like, all right, nope, I'm, I'm going to save the city because nobody else is, obviously. And that just seems like a very, a very timely way to become a superhero these days. So that was that was kind of funny. And yeah, Kendra, I'm glad you brought up the dancing to the party mix because that was a nice touch. Because they even made it look awkward, like the dancing looked awkward, which is hard to do when you're considering the fact that it's a cartoon. But it still seemed a little stiff and funny. Like, you know, if you were dancing, but not wanting to dance and you were trying to say, I don't know. It just, that, that struck me as, as pretty funny. And, Oh, poor Jim, poor Jim. That is just a man who you want to talk about. No fucks left to give man. Jim at this point has zero. And you know, the, my, my heart just went out to the guy. Um, and his daughter, because his daughter was obviously done dealing with it too. Um, but yeah, I mean that was. I, I think that whole scene was probably my my favorite of the episode. And from here we do move on. Um, and uh, Kendra, you mentioned the uh, the wacky racer kind of car that they um, they make to escape Two Faces goons. Uh, but uh, Kelly, what do you think of the scene? of the uh, of King Shark and Psycho escaping. I I mean I feel like I don't ever want a car with a spark or a spike at this point because there are way too many pedestrians in Philadelphia and that seems like a lot to maneuver between the pedestrian walks and also parallel parking. I don't know how you would park that thing, but I do love that they made this ridiculous car just to it, Like, I I forgot the first two times that I watched this episode, I forgot that all they're trying to do is get a water filter, which, again, you can just boil it. Like, it it is, it's not the best, but you can kind of sift out the dead rats, you can plop the rest in the pot, put it on a fire, you're good to go. They have wacky raced themselves into the middle of Bainton slash steroid country with a a spiked car for a water filter and i the effort and the dedication that takes and i i definitely turn on a portion of this team at some point in this season but that's some dedication that's some loyalty boss said get a water filter and we're going to get that water filter no matter how many henchmen we have to skewer on the way i mean good for them good for them seth what do you think (laughs) 
The escape was masterful. Uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, they basically A-teamed the fuck out of it right then and there. Um, and, and that's something to be recognized. Like, that was always the moment in A-team where they suddenly would lock them up in, like, you know, some supply shed. And they'd look around and be like, this is how we break out. Ha ha. And instead, they take this car with the spike and they got the guy, you know, on the front who thankfully provides a bit of exposition. You know, that whole idea. Of, what are you talking about? You didn't get away from the cops. They, they gave off their pursuit because now you're in um, Baintown. Actually, it's pronounced Bainton if you actually knew where you were. Um, and and there was just there was so much fun about the idea of, yeah, but who are you guys? And then they juice up and suddenly things don't look good. For our heroes, as the old phrase goes. Kendra, how about you? <laughs> I feel like I've already shot my load on this one, and I feel bad because I came to it early. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the only trick to get out of that one, honey, is to just go ahead and think about something dirty and then give your best shot. <laughs> yeah. You might have to think about something really dirty, though. But you got this. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already got spikes and, and shooting loads, so I mean, I guess I'm kind of already there. But getting <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it, it goes back to what Kelly was saying. Where I mean, all of this this effort is is for a water filter. Like this is dedication on a whole new level. But it's not new for the crew. I mean, we watched as you know Harley brought them a Michelin star sushi chef. And went out of her way to make sure that he had whatever ingredients he needed to make their their rolls great. Like, she went out and got ginger. I'm like, okay. So, it, it, it's viable that these guys are going through all of this hell and chaos to get a water filter. So, that, that way they're not, you know, chewing their water. But I still think that one of my favorite parts of this whole sequence is them figuring out that they can't drive this car by themselves. That there has to be modifications. And that they were able to have the time to do this while Two Faces guys were outside. Just like, do you hear that sound? What's that strange ticking noise? And they're in there welding. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> one part of this was viable that you guys were willing to go through hell to get a water filter, but them giving you enough time to weld all of this craziness together. I don't buy it. I, I, I don't like but I guess that they learned their lesson real quick, didn't they? What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, you kind of touched on what I was going to say, and that's that I got to hand it to these guys for coming up with the uh, with the smarts to make these modifications because they've seemed kind of stupid uh, and inept in every way before, but now here they are creating this Mad Max machine. And why couldn't they just make a water, a water filter instead of welding the car? I mean, there was they could MacGyver that, I'm sure, right? With all the stuff that was there, why didn't they just do that? Um, yeah, that was my that was that was my question from that scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, and it's fun to watch them, you know, tussle with Bane. But I was kind of hoping that we would get to see Bane, and we didn't. I was kind of bummed about that. But uh, other than that, yeah, yeah that was. That was that was uh, another fun scene. Uh, now we switch back to the college and uh, Harley and Ivy, with the help of Stephanie, infiltrate a frat party to follow a lead that uh, Barbara gave them about people disappearing in a frat house. And we get to discover exactly how 
Riddler is generating the electricity that they want so bad. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this scene? God, I mean, I feel like deep down we all know that frat parties are a trap. But my God, is this a trap? Like, <laughs> I I had such a mix of, I like, I felt for Stephanie when she was like, wow, Chad set me up. And then also thought it was hilarious that by the end of the episode, she's like, oh, my God, Chad. Or she, it, it's Clayface at that point. So, you know, whoever Clayface wants to be. But, yeah, I mean, this on on the Riddler's half is genius. And watching the episode again recently and thinking back about it, I was like, you know what? I feel like if you were to offer me good enough pay and good enough benefits, I could do the job of running on a treadmill to create electricity and shifts. Like it's, I would hate it because I hate running, but I did do track. Like I could make myself do it and hate it and be like, wow, look at all the calories I'm burning while just running. But also, I mean, it would have to be the pay and the benefits. So he has a good scheme here. The fact that he's kidnapping college students and making them do it, that's where the downfall is. Like, I I think if he were to put it out to Gotham, like, I will pay you. I will give you the benefits of, of electricity and water just for four hours a day. Come run on these wheels. I feel like it, like he could have a thing here. I know they're very inclined to the, the villainous and the criminal, but he might have an actual business plan here and nobody noticed. But I, I mean, Seth, what'd you think? You know, it was really hard for me to... I mean, I was eventually able to dig down, but I I really was stuck on the fact that poor Stephanie only had the weekend to decide about her and Chad relationship. And on top of it, she's auditioning for the acapella group. So this poor thing is like trying to help out our, our heroines and is caught also up in a love triangle. And it sounds really intense, especially because poor Hunter's got those areolas the size of pancakes and apparently they touch together. Um, which was, you know, if you're looking for a distraction before you go into the hellish throes of what can only be described as a frat party, um, that that's pretty good preparation. But and I can understand why she was tricked so easily by Chad. She had a lot on her mind, her relationship, this love triangle, the acapella auditions. And she wants to make sure it's the one that's still cool because that's important. Uh, <laughs> going to the tread or the uh, hamster wheels, I gotta say, um, I've had three knee surgeries. I would hate every minute of running on the hamster wheel. It would just like I can do the bike now and I can hike and stuff like that. But the steady, monotonous pounding of running, like I used to love it as a kid, and now it's just pain. Um, but I, I do have to, you know, enjoy the fact that it's it's one. It's it's prefaced by this idea of how many batteries does it take? How many hamster wheels does it take to uh, power Gotham? Kelly, I have to agree with you. There's a brilliant, you know, method to the madness for the fact that if you're not really giving out benefits and you're just holding them prisoners, yeah, it's a win-win. Free power, all you need is, you know, human energy. Um, <laughs> and the, the motivation behind it is, you know, it, it's pretty adorable that Electroshock has its play um, we also get to learn about the fact that Riddler has known everything that's been going on so far, and he doesn't take kindly to having jokes made about his riddle stick. Uh, Kendra, I pass to you. <laughs> I love how it always comes to me with the best stuff. 
You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> but there's there's so many great moments in this one. I mean, you have Harley and Ivy learning new things about each other, like with Harley not being able to say no to alcohol coming down some ice. And <laughs> when you get to see Ivy try to smack some sense into Clayface, because she's like, you're a damn man made of clay. You're not Stephanie. Get out of this headspace. We're here for a reason because Clayface is so caught up in the 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 challenge of having to pick whether she wants to be in a relationship with Chad or not, and whether it'll interfere with the acapella. It's like a soap opera. It's brilliant. But I mean, the Riddler has always had, you know, yes, the riddles are an absolute pain in the ass and they're annoying, and that's a whole trope in itself. But this is genius. The use of all of these college kids who are young, they're agile, they're in the prime of, you know, in the prime of the youth to use them on hamster wheels. And like you said, Seth, where they're, they're doing the shock, that's where you finally get to see Clayface as not Stephanie in this episode. <laughs> because one shock and it's Clayface. Ouch, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was another one of those kind of scenes with a lot, a lot in it. Um, yeah, um, I got to say, though, I wasn't too shocked about his plan. It seems to make sense that getting young uh, kids full of energy to run on hamster wheels to generate power, that seems like a, a pretty obvious riddle thing, riddler thing to do. So, yeah. Um, but this this did also do a good job of capturing what frat parties are kind of like, in a way. And, yeah, poor <laughs> Stephanie and Chad. What will ever become of Stephanie and Chad? Will we ever find out? Will we, will we ever revisit? <laughs> At this point, Stephanie deserves her own spinoff show. Um, you know, she broke her purity ring for him. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that little bit disturbed me for a moment. Yeah. He is a good man. Yeah. And I, I, I had some concerns. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when Roger on American Dad takes on a female character, like when he slept with Snot, you know, uh, Steve's friend. Um, it, it was kind of like that for me. It's like, what? Oh. Wait. No, you didn't. No, okay. All right, watch the American Dad, where uh, where Roger the alien goes after uh, Steve's friend Snot. It's it's pretty beautiful, and you might have some connections in this one. But yeah, there was a moment where I was like, "Hey, uh, hey, Clay, <clears throat> you were <clears throat> violated, sir. Were you? <laughs> how how did you let things go so far?" Or uh, there was, I think, a family guy where Joe tricks, uh, I think, Quagmire into having sex with him as a dressing up as a woman. And they're like, yeah, Joe kind of went rogue on that one. So I kind of feel like maybe Clay went a bit rogue on this one. I'm just going to sputter into the microphone. (laughs) Did I leave you speechless or was it Clay? (laughs) You did. You both did. Ah, you're welcome. You have a, you know, enjoy those episodes. Get back to me. It'll be a fun conversation. 
<laughs> anybody else out there, if you know what I'm talking about, just chuckle with me. It's kind of a dirty chuckle, but who knows? So Harley and Ivy, even though they're making fun of Riddler's Riddle, Riddle Stick or Kane, whatever you want to call it, turns out that it's not necessarily a good idea because he because he uses it to uh, shock them and knock them unconscious and they wake up in the hamster wheels. And here's where Barbara Gordon becomes the hero and, uh, you know, comes in and uh, saves the day. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this scene? I, I mean, Barbara, she's one of my favorite DC characters. And, and for one, Having a riddle stick that acts as a taser, good, good job on Riddler's part. That is, hmm, that that is some good weaponry. But as far as Barbara goes, she's one of my favorite characters, and I was so excited for her to show up. And the fact that she showed up in a sweat, uh, like sweatsuit, sweatpants, yoga pants combo is, I mean, I I felt that in my soul because honestly, if somebody told me right now you have to go beat some people up, I'd be like, well. I'm going to wear something comfortable. I mean, at, at the very least, I will be in sweatpants. I Yeah, I, I loved this scene. And I love the fact that Barbara is so clearly not acclimated to being a superhero, but she is so excited to try that she actually does an amazing job. Uh, God, this just this was a great Batgirl intro for this series completely. Seth? It was a perfect one. And yes, if you asked me to pull out whatever my crime fighting outfit would be based on what I currently have, I'm limited to either if it's hot, maybe some compression tights and, a, you know, a shirt, a compression shirt. And uh, otherwise, if it's really cold out, I can throw on a wetsuit. And those are my only two options I can kind of wing it on. Like, yeah, then then it's just some baggy sweats and maybe a kerchief. Um, <laughs> but how one creates uh, ad hoc out of what one has around them to become a vigilante fighting figure. Um, my options are, are kind of tossed between those two at the moment. I don't have a spandex guy. I'll just go out and say it right now. I don't have a costume maker. So, yeah, uh, I only have what I have at hand. Kendra, how about you? You got a guy? <laughs> no capes. <laughs> no capes, darling. No capes. No capes. <laughs> but that's, I agree with you guys fully. Like, seeing Batgirl become Batgirl, there were so many things that could have gone wrong, especially when you're dealing with people who are absolute fans of these characters. But the way that they did it was beautiful. I mean, it was. It was absolutely gorgeous. Seeing her, you know, have to deal with her dad. And being the one that's there for her dad, seeing him down, wanting to do something and finally just breaking through and being like, you know what, I'm here and I want to help. I'm going to do it. It was brilliant, especially when, when Harley and Ivy were down for the count. So I loved every bit of this scene. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I, I did too. And I, I agree with you guys. It was a great intro to the character. Uh, I, I did feel bad, though, when it's all said and done and she kind of just wants to hang out with Harley and Ivy start fighting crime. They're just like, nah, see you. Bye. We'll drop him off at Arkham. We'll see you. Um, 
it's almost like she's kind of like Jim, just wanting approval. But uh, you know, she, it was it was a, overall it was a great intro uh, to the character. Not uh, only that, but her uh, catch line was kind of rough. You've just been citizen arrested. Yeah, like, she sort of wrote. <laughs> right. Oh, bad. Blow <laughs> <Blew> it. <laughs> oh. She'll get the respect coming to her. I'm sure. <laughs> so we end up back uh, at the mall, Harley HQ, uh, where they have put uh, Riddler to good use. Uh, by putting him in a hamster wheel so they get the power they need, which also allows them to purify water, which leads to uh, poor Psycho and King Shark. What all they went through was for nothing. And they come back all painted up. Uh, it, and I, I'm just just curious. Would you have liked to have seen what happened to them, or do you think that it was better just kind of leaving it to the imagination? Because we never see what really happens after they run into Bane's goons, just that they end up back at the mall. Uh, Kelly? I like leaving it to the imagination. I like that kind of old sitcom drama of somebody walks in carrying, like, a an ostrich head, and it's like, you won't believe the day I've had, and just leave it at that. Like, that's... That's good comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I am fine with the way they left it. And I feel so bad for them because you have to imagine like, you know, now that we've created our, our goon hench personas and I like that must happen to henchmen all the time where they go on some crazy mission, come back from fucking Themyscira with the girdle of a, an Amazon having lost half their men and, and two faces like, yeah, I figured it out. I went to the store. Like it, it just, it's, I mean, this has to be a regular occurrence in the world of supervillainy where somebody asks you to do something and you bust your back trying to do it. And then yeah, this is fine. We're good. So, I mean, I'm glad we didn't see their whole adventure because it's hilarious that we didn't, but I, I feel for them. I, I don't, like or justify all of Dr. Psycho's actions as a whole for just the entirety of this series. But I mean that that fucking sucks. I I'm sorry, man. Seth, what'd you think? <laughs> well, I I I never got jumped into, you know, like every once in a while as you were getting older you'd hear about, you know, guys you knew like jumping into like little gangs and they would be like, yeah man, he got jumped in. And then when you find out what it is, you're like, oh, shit, it's just a bunch of people hitting you. Ah, that seems fucked up. So when they describe that they got stomped in to, to be Bane Boys, I'm like, oh, that sounds so much more violent. <laughs> and as has been pointed out, apparently King Shark can take a great deal of cartilage, uh, non-impacting damage and punishment. Um, so clearly he took the worst. But the fact that they walk in wearing, I mean, what felt to me like luchadora uh costumes you know the the wrestler outfits and the white with the blue was just magical um and the fact that, that they're trying to argue their point like we created a death car i mean you know their enthusiasm was amazing but i i do have to agree with you kelly like i can only imagine how many times henchmen more more actually likely goons under the the leadership of a henchman uh because <laughs> apparently that's the hierarchy um 
that that they would return just like from the Themyscira mission with the girdle of truth, apparently blessed by Athena, and find out that no, actually, um, Radio Shack was having a sale. And whoa, what do you know? It's just a transistor, you know, spark plug or some other shit like that. So I, I can only imagine that this happens more often than not. Um, but it, it was a great appearance by the guys. Brad, to go back to your question about whether or not I want to see it, uh, I'm torn because I think it would have taken so much time. But I think there is some fun to be left to the imagination. And we already had a sense of how chaotic they are. I'm hoping this just what's the appetite for more buddy scenarios. These two could be the next Brian and Stewie, like on the road, sing-alongs, the, the whole shebang. Kendra, how about you? I was getting ready to say that when it comes to the Brian and Stewie thing, that that would be the one allowance where I think I would give a mulligan to if they wanted to enter Tropeville and do a flashback episode to remind each other of why they're friends. And it goes back to this moment right here. (laughs) And we do finally get to see what happened while they were in Bainton. Kind of like a hangover Polaroid thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you remember, like, oh, we've had this huge fight, but remember why we became so close in the first place? And they go back to, to this, this moment right here, and, and what they went through to get <laughs> get home with this. We could this play culture. the way we were. <laughs> right. Well, but that's the thing. Like, this show doesn't normally leave things on the ground floor. They usually have a reason why they bring something into a viewer's eye. And I would love to see... <laughs> If they are going to do something with this, if it would be something like that, where they come back and they're like, oh, you know, what's your favorite memory of of being a part of Harley's crew? And each of them go back to a moment in time where we didn't necessarily get a full answer, like with Stephanie and Chad. And we get to come back and see, like, what happened in these scenarios. That would be a great use of a mulligan to enter Tropeville and do a flashback episode. So I'm going to be devil's advocate and say, yes, I would love yes. to see it under those circumstances. Brad, what about you? Well, Kendra, that's a great idea. That would be a great, instead of a clip show, like what we didn't see. Uh, that's brilliant. Uh, but you, with, with this, I, I, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. And sometimes you don't even need to see the journey for it to be funny. Uh, I mentioned, I brought up. The Simpsons in the last episode. I'm going to bring up the Simpsons again when um, when I'm going to bring up that this this scene kind of of uh, the Simpsons episode where they I think they're on their way to an amusement park and there's a lot of traffic. So Homer decides to take short field. Next time, as you see that called the field, tore up one of the wheels instead of a wheel, it's like a square piece of wood, and, and they just say, "We'll never talk about that shortcut again." And that's it. And sometimes that's more effective <laughs> than actually what you see. But Seth, you're right. You said up to the imagination and sometimes effective. So, yeah, yeah, it was one of those moments. And um, brings us to the end of the episode where we see uh, Barbara finally putting together her uh, Batgirl costume. The, you know, the iconic costume that we all know and love. And that finishes up the episode. So is there anything you want to say about that quick scene or anything else that we may have missed in talking about the episode, Kelly? Well, I mean, I love, I love that costume. I love her whole Batgirl metamorphosis there. Although 
I will say, I was wearing my glasses today, and they kept falling off. And she takes off her glasses and puts on the Batman mask and then doesn't put her glasses back on. And I'm like, can this bitch see? Like, this, I mean, I, I feel like you wouldn't be blind. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that, but Kelly, you can get away with that. Oh, okay. I mean, I, that, that was my only comment. I, I love it. Great. But can she see? Uh, Seth, take it away. <laughs> Well, all right, to use an old, old phrase I've heard before and really, well, fuck me running backwards with a chainsaw. I mean, um, how am I supposed to follow that up? Like, seriously? Like, what the fuck? Like, okay. Um, yes. Yay, it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I, I do think that when the costume goes on, you must have either heightened senses or and or contact lenses is somehow embedded in your mask i i don't know what else happens there like maybe like the lens i i don't know maybe the glasses are all part of the act but yeah clearly there needs to be some expository okay so i'm with you on that like i everyone in my family wears glasses um in fact, my, my wife does too. And I think they're all gleefully waiting for the time when I'm old enough that I have to wear them so they can just sort of like give me a bunch of shit for it. Um, but the removing the glasses did, you know, suspend a little bit of disbelief on my part. Like, oh, huh. All right. But the rest of it, yeah, pure gold, solid gold. In fact, I love how much her outfit reminds me of an early Catwoman feel. I don't know why it was so much, but there was something about the styling that just uh, harkens back to that early Catwoman costume. And I love that this is, for me, I think it could be the best origin for Batgirl that I've seen so far. It's really powerful. It's a great introduction. And I love that she's got that same, I, I think, Brad, you were the one who said it, um, maybe someone else echoed it too, the earnestness that she wants to be so much a part of everything she wants to. And yet, if she's going to do it effectively, she has to do it in the shadows. Because like her dad, she's learning that, you know, she just don't get no respect to go back to old Mr. Rodney Dangerfield from mentions earlier in, uh, you know, college reference movies. Um, this was a great episode. This was a great scene for us to end things on. And I, I really love the fact that it's, you know, uh, contrasted against uh, and compared with Jim, who's like lying there cell phone on the, the the hairy you know bare chest that just is part of a body that seems to be expanding the more he's with her and she's looking at him like don't worry you tried your best things let you down time for uh the next member of the family to pick up the torch you gotta love that kind of inspiration kendra how about you i echo that sentiment i loved that part of the scene especially because You've seen Jim fall, and I don't want to say fall from grace, because it's really not anywhere where Jim has been since we've met him. It's <laughs> <laughs> not grace. Never has it been. <laughs> but to see him, you know, like last episode, we got to see him singing to himself and just trying to reinflate himself. I, I am a damn good cop, Jim. You are a damn good cop. You know, <laughs> seeing him sing that and then... This episode, we get the absolute fallout of, you know, this is what the 
the chip catcher is for and oh gosh that's not a chip and just seeing the full fall down of him and seeing Barb just want to do something to give you know not only herself hope but to give the city hope that it's not just supervillains out there is a wonderful thing and one of my favorite parts of this episode on the whole is the fact that the voice of Barbara Gordon is Brianna Kuiko, which is Kaylee's sister. Having that added knowledge, watching the scenes between her and Harley, and I think, Seth, it might have been you that mentioned it earlier, where she just wants to hang out with Harley, with Harley and Ivy. <laughs> and, and knowing that that's her little sister makes it that much more for me, I think, because it just adds this little note of genuine quality where you know that that was, that was something that happened with the siblings is I just want to hang out with big sis. And here she is getting to do that on the Harley Quinn show and, and being able to become Barbara Gordon to Kaylee's Kaylee's Harley Quinn. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And it really sealed the deal on this show. It made, it, it gave a note of actual, like absolute respect amongst all of the hilarity this was a really true blue moment, and I loved it. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I, for one, would love to read a black label Jim Gordon series called A Damn Good Cop. I would buy it every issue. <laughs> Some yeah. DC, please make it happen. A damn good cop. Take our money. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with, um, yeah, I, with, with, uh, with Barbara, I'm just like, ah. Oh don't lose all your hope here. I mean, like she, she, she thinks she can do anything and she's got this great optimism, even in a Gotham city that's completely fallen apart with a dad that's completely fallen apart. And it's like, Oh, don't lose that girl. Don't lose that. Maintain that as long as you can. Don't end up like your dad. Don't end up like your dad. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, it was, the series progresses you know we'll, we'll see a little bit more of barbara but um yeah I, I just i really liked the um the optimism of the character and um it wasn't like a blind optimism she was really driven to want to do good and and save the world and that's you know it's very was very honest um yeah and yeah kendra yeah Absolutely. Um, with, you know, um, yeah. Just, I made you speechless, yeah. Brad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think, oh, I, I okay. I, I remember what I was going to say um, about what you brought up about that being her, um, Kaylee's sister and how that was a great dynamic between the two. Um, yeah, that was absolutely right. And um, bringing that up, that reminded me about that. And yeah, that was that was really, really evident in uh, in the kind of interplay between those those two characters. And with that, we'll wrap up another episode of Harley Quinn. Is there anything else, guys, that you wanted to add? No. No. Okay. I think All I'm right, good. So. I will give credit to you, though, Brad. I think you were the one who actually mentioned first that it was Babs who was just trying to hang out with everybody after the fight. I think you were the one who referenced that. So I'm going to I'm going to make a mention of that. Uh, Thanks for thinking it was me, Kendra, but it was the big brain. on. I knew it was somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my last thought.
so so guys what we like to do is we like to let our audience know where they can find us uh kelly you can find me on twitter at kel right and doing opinion and editorial pieces for dc comics news and you can also find me on our main podcast weekly for the the dc comics news podcast i guess that's yes that's the whole title um seth what about you <laughs> i uh i can be found usually hanging out with my dogs or no um you can find me writing content news reviews mostly reviews rarely news on dc comics news you can find me hanging out with these fine folks and talking all sh- sorts of shop on the weekly podcast you can catch me being cute with my dogs on Instagram at Bruno and Fiji. You can find me being somewhat coherent on Twitter as one more singleton. And for the rest, you know, just Seth Singleton. Come find me. Kendra, how about you? I can be found on Twitter at Devour All Words. I do news and reviews for Dark Knight News. Um, and I also get to join these guys every week for not only the Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, but also for uh, DC Comics News Network for that podcast. Brad, where can everybody find you? Uh, find me writing news and reviews for DC Comics News and on the uh, regular DC Comics News podcast. And with DC Comics News, uh, you can follow all of our podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and be sure to check out uh, our other shows, uh, Spinner Rack, I Am The Night, and the regular DC News Comics podcast. Uh, you can also follow DC Comics News on all social media at DC Comics News. And we like to say a little phrase as we end every episode, and that is to read more comics. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Three, two, one.